my goodness, it is so wonderful to see everyone. So, so good. I'm um, adapting into a space that I'm unaccustomed to here that, that someone has generously lent me. So uh, we'll do our best. Let's, uh, let's begin a bit of sitting. <clears throat> Let me...
<clears throat> Please use your voices with me. Vast is the robe of liberation, a formless field of benefaction. Wearing the universal teaching, I realize the one true nature, thus harmonizing all being. Vast is the robe of liberation, a formless field of benefaction. Wearing the universal teaching, I realize the one true nature, thus harmonizing all being. Vast is the robe of liberation, a formless field of benefaction. Wearing the universal teaching, I realize the one true nature, thus harmonizing all being. It's a little bit disorienting um, to be sitting in a seat that, that I've never sat in before. Um, are we still connected? I'm losing everyone. Yes, we can still hear you clearly. Okay. Um, and I expected uh, to be home by this time, as you know. So I, I didn't have my rakasu, so I feel a little naked. And I don't have my computer glasses, so you know how that is? I'm, I'm working to make sure that I can see. <clears throat> Um, so Maria, it looks like people are frozen. Are, uh, um, is it okay? Um, well, you're not frozen and we can hear you, but unfortunately for you, things are a bit frozen. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm looking to see if anybody else is moving around here. Um, just, Everyone's waving at you, Flint, right now. So yeah, if you can hear me, raise your hand. <laughs> So a few people can, but they may be doing it and I can't see them because they're they're frozen. Oh dear. Okay. Well, uh, should I just continue? Um, it, we can hear and see you perfectly and um, perfectly clearly. So. Okay. Well, I'll assume uh, things are going along, which is goodness uh, exactly what the situation is right now. <clears throat> as a way to get myself uh, grounded um, and to find um, uh, find a place to be, to begin i was um, i was reading as i as i often do and i came across a, a beautiful um, uh, three lines from zinju earthlin Manuel, who is one of my Dharma sisters, uh, Dharma Arab Blanches, as many of you know. And I'm going to read this as one statement and two questions, which I thought were remarkable, because they seem to point to what I wanted to speak about. And they also reflected so much of what the three previous teachers and in inquiry have spoken about. 
Here's the first statement. Zen rituals and ceremonies can act as a mirror in the dark unknown of the present and in the light of the ancient past. Then the two questions that follow. Is there a willingness to look in the mirror and see a reflection of ourselves without any notions of Zen or Zen practice? And the second question, can we go through the flesh of the tradition as presented and taught to consider the bones? So I'll read it all through once more. <clears throat> I'm just going to change my these things go. Zen rituals and ceremonies, in other words, our forms also, can act as a mirror in the dark unknown of the present. The dark unknown of the present. And in the light of the ancient past, we sometimes think of them as different. The present is what's lit and the past is what's dark. But our ceremonies show us what we're not seeing in the present, in the light of what's been handed down to us. And then she asks, is there a willingness to look in that mirror, in the mirror, and see a reflection of ourselves without any notions of Zen or Zen practice, without narrowing down onto any particular thing, but to actually be in the present? And then the final question, can we go through the flesh of the tradition, the fleshy embodied reality of what we're taught as it's presented and taught, and then consider the bones, what's underneath it? Because our, our tradition, um, at least the foundations of this tradition, which is taught in Soto Zen, is generally taught through rituals and ceremonies. Uh, not because they offer you some like right way to do Zen practice, and that's some of what she's saying. Don't don't get caught in that. But they're enactments which train us and shape us as we practice together. And, and here we are, shaping and supporting and encouraging each other each week. And as we engage in the forms and the rituals, and sometimes in ceremonies, they act as mirrors that reveal things to us which we might not see or might not appreciate if we don't enact the ritual or the form of the ceremony. And offering ourselves in training, like in retreats or everyday practice, is the way to enter the dark unknown of the present using the light of the ancient past. And our ceremonies and rituals hold this. And we are faced with a big question, are you willing to look at what is reflected in that mirror? Not as uh, some sort of critical self-evaluation or comparing mine, but to actually look. And are you willing to embody, to actually put on the flesh of the tradition? We just chanted, vast is the robe of liberation, wearing the universal teaching, wearing it as it's offered, despite our reluctance or skepticism or whatever we might carry, and discover what the ancestors discovered 
over the past thousand years about the bones of this particular way. And as we come back over and over again, making those ancient teachings alive by our embodiment, we carry on the tradition without sliding into this just being a lovely support group or a psychological group or um, something for um, social discourse, which all are wonderful, um, but it's not really our, our practice. And it's important that we don't just make up standards on our own as one of the old verses tells us. When Josh spoke in December, um, the title of his presentation was Our Life is Limitlessly Deep. He was pointing to this very thing, inviting us to look into the dark unknown of the present in light of the ancient past. And I would recommend his presentation and those inquiry encounters if, if you haven't um, seen that yet. And then between then and Suzanne starting us off at the first of the year, there was a talk given by uh, the head student, the Chousseau, in the, in the UK right now, Judy Parfit, which I also would recommend to you. If you go to the Just This Zen community website and look on the resources, you can hear or see the talk uh, by Judy called Stepping Over the Threshold. And she did a marvelous job of examining this willingness that Zen is asking us about. Because I had said to her at one point as she started her time as head student that I wanted to give her a talk, whether she felt like it or not. And she unpacks beautifully the distinction between saying yes to a teacher in a wholesome way to step beyond, step over a threshold, and what it's like to submit to someone in an unwholesome way and do something without discernment. She has a beautiful teaching. I would, I would recommend it. And then Suzanne began the year with practicing with imagination, of course. And if you're going to hear Suzanne teach, it's going to be embodied imagination, which is the essence of all Thoto forms and ceremonies and rituals. And as you take those on and encounter others, you can, as Trudy said last week, dance to the end of love. It was wonderful the way that they, using the flesh of the tradition to touch the bones, enacting and embodying the present moment and discover that it is love. If you have the curiosity and willingness to step over the threshold with imagination and explore the unfathomable nature of life, not just skating along the surface, even when we're uncertain or we're like barely willing, we have the possibility of dancing with life as it is and discover an intimacy that's really hard to describe in words and is outside of personal preference. So in reflecting on these talks that have led us to today and open practice for the new year, closing out the last year, I wanted to, uh, I know I'm kind of pulling together a patchwork of things, but that's, that's kind of where I am, you know, packing boxes and loading and changing 
in response to the email that I sent out a couple of days ago, which so many of you have responded to, and it's lovely to see so many people here. This is one of the responses I got. And I want to read just a few sentences. The student said, yesterday, I finished an amazing intensive co-led by Joel and Kim. She's speaking of the one in Apamata. I show up for inquiry often without preference for who the teacher is. It's not hard. It's easy. Because every new, she says, teacher, is a gift to the Sangha from you and Peg. Of course, I miss you. But after all, you and Peg were new teachers at one time. The gift is to is that you took time and effort to ensure that Apamata would continue when neither you nor Peg were physically available. The gift is that new teachers have committed themselves to the practice and have offered their leadership. The gift is that the relationship within our Sangha, and then she puts an S, Sanghas, within our Sanghas influences the way our teachers grow. That happens only when each of us shows up with an open mind. Our presence, your presence, is a gift to them and to the Sangha. What a generous and real reflection of what it means for all of us to help support and teach and encourage each other. And in the midst of my work uh, with my family, primarily over the last month, and, um, and thinking about what I might say today, um, I'm, I'm pulling together many threads from many people in the Sangha because that's the tapestry I want to want to put together. I got another email from uh, Ryan Van Wick, who with uh, with Emily, I see Emily's here today, um, were the kind of really co-founders of the Awakening Together Zen community in Minneapolis, St. Paul. Some of you know um, uh, these wonderful folks and, and many, many others who help support and encourage and, and uh, weave together the fabric of that Sangha. Uh, Ryan and Emily helped start the Minnesota Trauma Project, and they had wonderful teachers coming to teach them, uh, therapists there. But, but Ryan started coming to Madison uh, for retreats. And then Emily started coming, and then they asked if I would come and teach for the Minnesota Trauma Project uh, and provide some training for the therapist. And I politely said no. <laughs> I wasn't interested in doing more psychotherapy training. But if the therapists were interested in a retreat for themselves, which would inform what they did as therapists, I'd be happy to do that. But <laughs> I can't start another Sangha. I have enough work already. Well, things got out of hand. And now, I guess it's been six or seven years. I can't remember how many. And of course, it's a wonderful Sangha, and I've continued to go. And I'm telling you this because it's part of the context of a larger story about intimacy and about our forms and about what it means to be in a, a, a Sangha that is deeply expressive of this Soto way, not just a meditation group particularly. So the email that I got from Ryan, uh, the, the subject line said, a long percolating poem. 
Ryan is an amazing guy. He's a wonderful therapist. He's well-trained uh, and he's in the army. He's like a guy, a real guy. And he writes the most tender poetry. So here's, here's a little bit more of the backstory. Thank you for listening to my stories today, by the way. I'm sorry that I'm weaving, but it gives you the context. So way back 20 some odd years ago at the Austin Zen Center, some of you know, and I don't want to go into it too much, um, I began the process for Dharma transmission because of certain personal and political things that stopped. But around the turn of the century, <laughs> it's weird to say, I had started sewing a brown ocasa for that ceremony that never happened, and it was only partially begun. It was all cut out, marked, and I had sewn some of it. So it went into a box and was stored for nearly 20 years. Then when I was offered the opportunity to complete Dharma Transmission, as you know, just a couple of years ago, with Peg's generosity and uh, Victoria Austin from the San Francisco Zen Center, um, a, a new Okesa was provided for me, beautiful. And uh, and then secondarily, as a, an immense gift, Ann Johnson, the sewing teacher in Milwaukee, and for many of us, uh, sewed um, another gorgeous Okesa, which I've worn just a few times now, um, which I love very much. So that's a little bit of a background. You can't allow a rakasu or an okesa to be unfinished. It's the body of the Buddha. So it either needs to be completed and worn appropriately, or it must be cremated. And so I spoke to Anne about this, and I sent her the incomplete okay, so thinking maybe it could be completed. Um, and she generously offered to, to consider this, and maybe someone else would be in line for use of this okay. So, and she kept it for a year or maybe more. I can't remember how long. And But she came to the point where she realized it, was, it, wasn't, it wasn't at home there. Ryan and Emily were in Milwaukee. They gave her the fabric. They brought it to uh, the Twin Cities. When I was there in the fall, they gave it to me. I took it to England. And in Scotland, with Sophie and the whole crew, we did the cremation. That's, I know, a complicated backstory, but it's important to understand how we take these things seriously and try to do our best with them. <clears throat> the poem that Ryan sent me is based on a traditional koan, some of which you know. And I'm going to read the original koan, but I'm going to read it in the way that Blanche told it. These are her words telling the story of the koan. The 42nd ancestor, Ryozan, was the attendant to the 41st, in other words, his teacher, Doan, Kanshi, and as such, he carried his robe for him. There was a moment in which his teacher needed to put on the robe, so Ryozan handed the robe to Doan. And then Doan said to his disciple, what is the business under the patched robe? You know, what is this form? Why put on this form? What are you actually? And Blanche goes on, she says, and his student, Ryozan, had no answer. So the teacher said, to wear this robe 
and not understand the great matter is the greatest suffering. You ask me. So the student asked the teacher, what is the business under the patched robe? And the teacher said, intimacy. Intimacy. And this was the moment when the 42nd ancestor had some breakthrough. He bowed to his teacher in great gratitude, with tears flowing. And the teacher asked him again, what have you understood? Can you express it? And he said, what is the matter under this robe? Intimacy. And his teacher replied one more time, yes, intimacy and even greater intimacy. It's quite a beautiful story and one that Blanche would tell often. The bones and the flesh, you know, the dark unknown of the present, the light of the ancestors, not knowing. To go to the full extent of love, to investigate intimacy. And I, I asked Brian to read the poem I'm about to read that he sent to me, but he had a conflict today and he couldn't, he couldn't come here. But I asked Anne Johnson, who was part of this transmission of this robe, if she would read it with me. So I'm going to read it. And then she will, will read it. Um, I hope Anne has a copy. I don't know. Um, if you do, you can raise your hand, let me know, or signal Maria, I can't see you. Do you have a copy, Anne? You getting anything, Maria? No, there's a lot of people. I know. Oh, yeah, she has a copy. Yeah, she a copy. does. Okay, great, great, great. Okay, good. Wonderful, wonderful. And in a moment, we'll have her unmute and she'll read it. So I'll go through it once. She'll go through it again. I'm going to ask Anne to make a couple of comments, and then I'll make some comments. Okay. So this is bringing uh, the koan to life. Intimacy by Ryan Van Wyck. An old Amazon box, contents unknown, address label carefully filled out, delivery accomplished through other means. From warm hand to warm hand, passed from one student to another, arriving in the hands of a teacher, once and always a student himself. The teacher asks his students, what is the business inside the box? The student has no answer. The teacher says to see this box and not understand the great matter is the greatest suffering. Now, ask me. Now the student asks the teacher, what is the business inside the box? A simple reply, intimacy intimacy. The box opened, a history revealed and shared, a journey begun with certainty, expressed through red stitching, letting go of hope for outcome, and perhaps with it, a certain sense of self, free to continue on the path. Another garment completed, Remembering this, a different person 
holds the unfinished handiwork, contemplating the resting place of this reminder, sharing this account of delayed hopes realized. The students bow in gratitude, understanding the great matter, the flow of self across time, a self ever in the process of becoming. This meeting between teacher and students, an encounter of these particular expressions of selves, a singular opportunity to exist together in this way, a moment of intimacy, an even greater intimacy. And Anne, would you unmute? Intimacy by Brian Van Wick. An old Amazon box, contents unknown, address label carefully filled out, delivery accomplished through another means. From warm hand to warm hand. I know. Passed from one student to another, arriving in the hands of a teacher once and always, the student himself. The teacher asks his students, what is the business inside this box? The students have no answer. The teacher says, to see this box and not understand the great matter is the greatest suffering. Now you ask me, now the students ask the teacher, what is the business inside the box? A simple reply, intimacy, intimacy. The box opened, a history revealed and shared, a journey begun with certainty expressed through red stitching Letting go of the outcome. And perhaps a particular sense of self freed to continue on the path. Another garment later completed. Remembering this, a different person holds the unfinished handiwork, contemplating a destination for this reminder, sharing this account of hope's delayed realization. The students bow in gratitude, understanding the great matter, the flow of self across time, ever in the process of becoming this meeting between teacher and students, this encounter of these particular expressions of selves, a singular opportunity to exist, to exist together in this way, a moment of intimacy and even greater intimacy. As it is now. Note to self, always have a Kleenex box. Oh, yeah. <laughs>
I didn't. I don't have my name. What what moves you in this? You know, it's boundless. Um, <laughs> That's a fine answer. <laughs> yeah, should I stop right there? Boundless. <laughs> but do say more, yes. Yeah. I want to say one interesting thing about your introduction to all this, Flint, and um, it's like each sentence you said, I want to say, stop. That's all of it. Stop. That's all. Like, there, there's so much right there. And then the next one was like, so. Um, and I simultaneously had this urge, and it wasn't until you got to the end, I thought it was so interesting. I had this urge to to get up and do like the, an old Girl Scout call and dance where I'd go, hey, ho, and you dancer, ha, ho, and we would just like dance. Like that just kept coming up. And then to hear Trudy's last line was right. like, oh, per perfect. So the, the, the profundity of the light in the past and the dark and the present and the forms and the practice and life and letting go of it as just beyond words. And then, you know, for people to know, it's another whole long story. Ryan and Emily were here to sew this past week, and Ryan casually mentioned that he had written this poem. Um, and so it's just the dance has continued. Um, and for me, the poem, of course, is very intimate because I can picture the Amazon box that rested in my sewing room. I can picture Anne, um, Anne L, you know, the sewing teacher at Appamanda sending it, it to me. Yeah. You know, so I feel like, you know, so I've, I can visualize so much of this and Emily and Ryan filled in some of the blanks about, you know, the four students with you opening it. So on a real um, mundane level or, uh, you know, see all the pieces and what moves through me is um keep it real short but letting go of a hope for outcome freed to continue on the path and there's a, a certain intimacy between Flint's and my history about that that this all speaks to and um, and and to me, it's that I stepped onto this path at a time in my life that was so painful. You know, and Flint was able to meet my pain in such a different way as a Zen teacher with his deep psychological wisdom. And it's basically, you know, been a path of unraveling these these projected ideas of what life should be and what the path should be and entering into just being intimate with my life. And yet it's a hand in the glove, you know, the path and life are inseparable, um, going both ways. So, um, the tears are tears of deep gratitude to see that Okesa as a symbol of my life and path transforming 
and being freed to be burned and then to enter into boundlessness. So thank you. Thank you for your teaching. Quite beautiful. And it's such a, um, it was such a connector from the Austin Zen Center where I began, then to Apamata, then to Anne filling it out, to send it to Anne, Anne sending it to, and then coming to England, that everyone is included. Um, you think it's it's not my okesa, it's not my story. It's the story of intimacy. In the a second email I got from uh, the, the student who'd sent me the one about uh, all of the teachers coming to lead inquiry. I thanked her for it. And she sent another email back saying, and this echoes what Ann just said, Soto Zen endures because new teachers arise and new sanghas are created or established. And sanghas have new members and they're energized to practice for the benefit of all beings. She puts quotes. Teachers change, but the core teachings change only to accommodate contemporary needs. We have a lineage because we accept and practice with a succession of teachers. Without a succession of teachers, there would be no lineage and no transmission of the Dharma. Our Sangha is part of this vital cycle of keeping the Dharma alive and flourishing. Our Sangha is part of this vital cycle of keeping the Dharma alive and flourishing. Without students, there are no teachers. Without teachers and Dharma, there's no lineage to continue. Simply by showing up with an open mind, we contribute to the flourishing of the Soto Zen legacy. A warm hand to warm hand. Intimacy and even greater intimacy. Fully grounded and going beyond. Fully grounded and, and going beyond. We've used a good bit of time today, I know. Um, and I know it's a bit of a patchwork, but I, this is what's been on, on my mind. And it's, um, I hope that it's in some way <clears throat> encouraging to you in your practice. If there are things you'd like to comment on or further questions you'd like to ask, we do have some time. I'd love for you to come forward. And thank you, Anne, so much. And, um, we thank Ryan for his his uh, offering. Hi, Michael. I haven't seen you in a while. Uh, no, I haven't seen you in a while. <laughs> our our paths have not crossed exactly. Here we although, are. Although the trails of your path, I cross frequently. <laughs> um. <clears throat> so. Um, I just have a question, which is, in this path, how do you view the role of practice discussions, 
since I'm just beginning to try to have them and I don't know what to expect, what to ask, what to hear. And so I thought that would be a question that I would like to hear your. How, how is it going right now? You're doing it now. Um, <laughs> it's, uh, um, it's, it's, it's an opening up. Um, <clears throat> and there, the barriers I always face are that I've had enough and I want to run away. And all of the baggage that I bring forward of not being good enough no matter what the truth is, I hold on to that like a cherished possession. Yeah, it's something, isn't it? And as you hold on to it, even now, if you hold on to it, there's no reason to push it away. You don't have to identify as it, but you can hold on to it. Yes. And as you and I meet, we're on the screen, but it still feels pretty intimate. Mm -hmm. Yes, it does. Can you let our voices and your you seeing me and me seeing you sit next to that other thing that you cherish? Let them come together without dismissing either. And it's always felt like dismissing the part of me that wants to feel bad would be a disaster. Yeah. And so that's caused me to hold on to it even tighter. That's fine. Bring it with you. But bring along companions through the intimacy. Well, early on in my practice with Blanche, I went to see her one day during a session, so it was very formal, you know, in robes, we're doing bows before Dokusan, very formal. And I said, if you were a psychotherapist, I would know what to do with you. <laughs> but I don't know what to do with you. And she basically laughed and said, that's what we discover together. Mm. I don't know either, but I trust the meeting. Yeah. You don't have to become anything or get better at anything, just bring yourself wholeheartedly. And if you can only bring yourself 20% wholeheartedly, there'd be 100% that 20%. Just show up, just do it. Like I told Judy about the Dharma talk, even if you don't feel like it and you feel like you want to run, See what it's like to stay investigating the tenderness of wanting to run. I'm glad I came. Thank you. I'm glad you did too. You spoke to a lot of people, I'm sure. Joel, next. Hi, Flint. It's so good to see you. Wonderful to see you. Uh, you began... Uh, your talk today with uh, describing ceremony and the impact of ceremony. And I, I wanted to share something that I, that 
is very important to me. Uh, I led a precepts completion ceremony yesterday at Appomattox. Oh, for yes. For people who have participated in the precepts program. It's your first and, time. Indeed, indeed, and and I'm still feeling the effects of it. I I remember when I took the precepts completion ceremony, which was before I think you and Peg were offering Jukai. Right. And and I have not finished my Rakasu yet, but I'm going to this year. Um, the, uh, anyway, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm getting all balled up in my, in what well, you, you were in the ceremony. It was the I ceremony was, had an impact on you too, right? That is right. That's right. Uh, I, I just wanted to say that the, the, the all the people who, had, who, who participated in the precepts group hmm? went through an amazing journey and, yes. and yet felt very diffuse and, and what this, the intensity with which the ceremony condenses the um, the work of studying the precepts and the stark way, stark is the wrong word, but very sharp, very intense way in which the words in the ceremony acknowledge that work is just so beautiful and so meaningful. I, I, I'm going to try and read a couple of things from the ceremony, and I, I may also tear up and I apologize for that but well you're but saying you're the fleshy business of the you're coming to the bones now yes thank you so as preceptor I read three times after people have uh, said the words of the Soto Zen confession you have gone beyond the karma of body speech and mind and that's at first that struck me as strange in the ceremony, but then I remembered that people have been have been doing work to go beyond the karma of body, speech, and mind for a year, and this is this is like bringing it together in a a very condensed point, and you have been freed from hate, greed, hate, and delusion. And later, these you have received Buddha's precepts and are a child of, of Buddha. Now you can really work for all beings. Yes. So I, I just wanted to share that. And and thank you for, thank you and Peg for what you did to construct the ceremony in the way that you did from the sources that you had and for making it available to us to carry on in this, this incredible thing you said that Soto Zen can survive because students and teachers come forward yes and you're there's a distinction that i'm reading between the lines i'm not putting words in your mouth but i think that you've you've gotten it which is the precepts are not mine to give but people can re receive them yes and yes. take them and take them on what my, i have something to give as a dharma transmitted teacher which is i can situate you in the lineage that's a little something i could do ceremonially but the precepts are free and so we wanted to make sure there was a ceremony in which those precepts were seen as freely given and freely taken and then mm -hmm. later on if someone will actually be situated in the lineage in a formal way you could do that too but mm -hmm. yeah i'm glad that the ceremony is coming back to you now deeper and as you offer it and receive it it's deepens you as a teacher 
Yes. And just that without the ceremony, the 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 work of everyone who was engaged in the program might have just drifted away. Yes. Yes. That's why they call it the Buddha seal. Yes. Yes. Thank you, Flint. Thank you for your wholehearted offering and for leading this group for this year. It's a big effort. I appreciate it deeply. Thank you. Biden? I want to see Jeff there too. Oh my gosh, that's great. <laughs> um, thank you, everyone. And your poem was, the reading of your friend's poem was mind-blowing. And, and Michael, it's so good to see you. Um, I, Flint, you know, the, the story you told the koan about intimacy being the most important thing and intimacy beyond intimacy leaves me wondering if I actually really understand what intimacy is. Oh, sorry. Um, it's, it's confusing. Jake, shh, I think I have a, a narrow perspective what intimacy is and hold on someone's at the door can you help me understand what you mean because it's not just between people it's between the present and I I, I feel like I need I'm, I'm gonna leave this feeling a little uncertain about what you really mean from intimacy and I just need a few clues um, to help me open it up a little bit more well, you're doing a good job, actually, of what you're saying. And the not knowing is nearest. The not knowing is what is most intimate. Not, the not knowing keeps it alive. Otherwise, you make it into a thing. You know that it's not an intimacy that is uh, sentimental, personal, erotic, none of that stuff. There are certain kinds of intimacies. But we're talking about where you and the present moment meet each other. And then it's inconceivable. It goes beyond. It's there is hard to have those words so staying with the unknown not the dullness or confusion but the where you, you're on that edge of what is this into what is what does it mean to be actually in my life and with this person and with this situation and with myself what is this that question is the the great matter out of which he says, you know, to not understand what's under this robe is the greatest suffering. So you have to realize that, oh, it's about intimacy. It's about meeting meeting each thing and each, but it's more than that because it's dualistic when I say, like, there's a thing in me. Right. So keep the curiosity open. And because you're a writer and because you love poetry, you know that as you course between the lines of some of these beautiful poems, you're awash in it and you just can't name it. And that's appropriate. Keep dancing to the end of love. <laughs> what a joy to see you. Likewise. <laughs> Um, it's it's a joy to see everybody. I, I see so many old friends on yeah. on the screen. Um, I'm in the UK, which is where I live now, uh, and I'm not at home. I'm away working, which explains why I actually have time to sit <laughs> by myself <laughs> at this time of day. So thank you for having me. Yes. Um, I, 
I was really intrigued by um, by your email, which you, you said you were going to talk about. I think you said you were going to talk about lineage. Um, and I've been thinking about lineage a lot recently. Uh, I've been reading a book. The book isn't really, doesn't need to be mentioned, I guess. But um, I, I just, I keep feeling like we live in a time where lineage isn't as respected maybe anymore. Yeah. And a lot of people look at lineage as not being really essential. And, and I think that combined with t certain teachers whose behavior has been questionable right. really uh, um, gives a lot of people um, more conviction to set lineage aside or set tradition or forms of practice aside. Um, and I, it, that, that, it makes me sad. And um, I, I just wanted to hear what you. Well, I things that you're saying. Uh, I think lineage, obviously, from what I've just said today is very, very important. Um, that's the light of the ancestors that helps us understand the dark of the present moment. And there's plenty of darkness now that we need to shed light on. And we can't just make stuff up on our own and expect to have the depth that could come from actual study with uh, teachers and teachings, whether it's in the Zen lineage or yoga that you're teaching or other things, you know, these things, uh, they've survived for a reason. And we carry them, they're only alive if we practice them. They're not alive in a book. They're not alive in a digital form. They're alive in our bodies if we practice them. And if we practice them with integrity, like precepts, instead of, as you were mentioning, many teachers have broken the precepts in remarkable ways. And so that that's, um, that's a great disservice to the Sangha, of course, because it makes people not have confidence. So I, I know I'm not saying a lot more than you said, because I think you understand it well. Mm. So thank you for mentioning it. Mm for asking the question and for just coming forward in this lineage that we have with each other that, that, that weaves us together over the years. Mm -hmm. Just like those yeah. down, a thousand cranes. You know? mm -hmm. <laughs> I saw Judy there too. Hi, Judy. Yeah, uh, yeah thank you. I, I mean, I, 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 this, just this experience here, you know, just is enough for me to feel you know, the importance of authentic teachings and the importance of people being willing to to practice and, and share and come together. So thank you, everybody. Absolutely. And I, I share that gratitude. Uh, We're at the end of our time. Um, so we will invoke the four practice principles uh, together. Uh, caught in the self-centered dream, only suffering holding to self-centered thoughts, exactly the dream. Each moment, life as it is, the only teacher, being just this moment, compassion's way. Caught in the self-centered dream, only suffering, holding to self-centered thoughts, exactly the dream. Each moment, 
life as it is, the only teacher, being just this moment, compassion's way, caught in the self-centered dream, only suffering, holding to self-centered thoughts, exactly the dream, each moment, life as it is, the only teacher, being just this moment, compassion's way, intimacy, even greater intimacy. Thank you so much, Flint, for for joining us all amongst all your various boxes. And thank you to everybody for teachers and students that um, just help support and keep all of this alive. Thank you all so much. And if you'd like to offer Dana to Appamada, please do go to appamada.org forward slash contribute. Thank you all so much. And if you'd like to continue for a further 30 minutes, please pop yourself into gallery view and I'll join you in just a moment. Thank you all. Thank you. <laughs>